Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, back with Lance Lambert, somebody I follow on Twitter, Fortune Editor, is getting the, the skinny on the real estate market from lots of different senior executives. Uh, how you doing, Lance? Doing great. Housing, 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 All always a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I, I love that you've committed to be a part of the channel every week. I feel so appreciative uh, because your reach into other areas is far greater than mine. And, and I feel like I get a little little tease each week. So, so thank you for coming back. Yeah, and I love coming on too because I can kind of better understand how the investors think and uh, you know understand that side of the world a little awesome. better. Awesome. It's, it's, so today you, you put out, I think this was a tweet you put out. Uh, talking about uh, you had a conversation with an executive at CoStar uh, and you asked, hey, are you glad you didn't move into the iBuyer arena? Uh, he's, uh, why don't you share that tweet, his response, and, and we'll dig into iBuyers because I think that is something uh, that's evolving very quickly. Yeah. So I asked Andy, uh, the CEO of CoStar, which is, you know, they're a pretty big player, especially in the, uh, the, the commercial side of real estate. I asked him if he was ex- if he was happy that they did not get into iBind because, you know, Zillow, a competitor of theirs uh, in some spaces did, right? They made that play from going from an informational company in real estate to, hey, this isn't too hard. Let's go out there and, you know, we can beat these little guys with our algorithm. And, uh, you know, of course, Zillow was overpaying for homes amid a boom and selling them at a loss. Yeah. Uh, before the boom was even over, I, you know, that, that's kind of interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, Zillow notoriously ended its program in November and was able to sell all of its homes in a lot of these, what I would call the frothier markets, I think the Austins, the Boise's, the Phoenixes, the Vegas's that are correcting harder now, they were able to sell them at the top. Um, and their competitors, Redfin and Zillow, or Redfin and Open Door kept buying up, uh, you know, m- more of these homes and now essentially got caught, right? Those yep. markets are correcting faster. And uh, it looks like the markets also, those markets uh, are correcting faster because of iBuyers. And that's something Redfin CEO told me himself is, you know, the iBuyers, the builders, uh, they're more willing to cut and how it works for them is if it, if it doesn't sell, Two weeks and they're in a market where prices are moving downward, there's downward pressure, they're going to go ahead and just cut another 2%. And so they're kind of speeding up that downward uh, correction in those markets. Um, and so I, I asked uh, CoStar CEO if, if he was happy they didn't get in. And he, you know, he said uh, tongue in cheek, but I'm, I'm dumb, but I'm not that dumb. Um, <laughs> so uh, I love that. I'm dumb, but not that dumb. <laughs> yeah. And Andy was uh, great. He was very insightful in a lot of ways in what's going on in real estate. Um, and he had said, you know, he's very open and very candid. He had said that a, a company in the family of iBuying had reached out to them, seeing if they would be able to help them out. Um, and he said, no, um, I don't know what company that is. I also don't want to speculate either, because I don't think yeah. that's fair to Andy. 
uh, or the other companies that could be out there, which are all kind of in a rough patch right now. And I don't know if it's an actual iBuyer or some type of company that does business with them, but he said a company in the family of iBuying. Uh, but things are tough for iBuying. Uh, you know, Redfin has now also announced they're getting out. So they're selling the rest of their homes and getting out. And Open Door, um, what is their stock on from like $25 to a dollar, something like yeah. that? Yeah, the, the joke is they'll be closed door soon enough. Um, it's funny, as a and mom and pop investor, right? The, the, you know, somebody who knows a buy box knows the area. Uh, I think there's a couple of things I want to say about iBuyers. So first off, I have I have pretty deep connections in the Phoenix market, right? People that I, I talk to to weekly out there. And right or wrong, uh iBuyers in the Phoenix market became the the what they what you can call the fish in poker. You were the person with dumb money and the table was going to take your money. They were going to sort of gang up on you. So what was happening in Phoenix a year ago and 18 months ago was these people were locking up deals with mom and pop sellers. It's called wholesaling, right? And then they they would they would sell it because they knew their buy box and they knew what they were looking for. And they knew they knew how much they would overpay. So that yeah. run up, you know, that extra 10 or 15% of Phoenix, Vegas, Austin, Sacramento, list of a dozen cities was all because of iBuyers. And then everybody else was got unfortunately hurt by it. If you were a homeowner and you were buying a property that wasn't going to an iBuyer, you were still competing in a market where iBuyers were dominating the purchases because they were overpaying. So I think there was, I'm going to guess, 15 to 20% appreciation in a dozen markets that was completely fake, completely abnormal. And now, because I've been through a cycle before, it's going to come down, but it's even going to go lower because these buyers like Redfin, they're not emotional. They yeah. have a spreadsheet. They have a process. Every two every two weeks, we drop 2%. And then everybody's going to be hurt by this. But where I want people to realize is this too shall pass. They stopped buying. They will eventually stop selling. And then the market will will recover. So, um, yeah. So how, it probably feels really bad in Vegas, really bad in Phoenix. But uh, it's almost over. It's almost over. And we'll, we will heal from this. And so with those iBuyers, it's interesting. So I had also asked him, point blank, the co-star CEO, does he think that iBuyers will be around in two years from now? Hmm. And he said, yes, uh, you know, they'll, you know, they'll learn from the first uh, version, right? But the cost of capital is going to go up a lot. And I believe he had said like the fees would move from like five to seven to 20%. Um, so I don't know if that last bit was his way of saying, and this is me speculating now, that no, they would not <laughs> yeah. because the cost of capital would move up so much. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe they'll still be around. I, I don't want to speculate too much, but I do believe, like you had said, that they are having an actual impact on pricing in the markets, probably upward pressure one way and then downward pressure faster the other way. Um, so, you know, if this, could you imagine if the iBuyers had been around in the 2000s? No, that would have been, no, that would that, be that, crazy. Yeah. That's like frightening. That, so, so they've added an element of risk, but the market is just not 
there's just not as much risk in the market as there used to be. We've gotten rid of a lot of these things. So do do they actually need to regulate it out or is capitalism essentially regulated them out? No, I think capitalism gets them out. I, I And again, when you look at, because again, I've been buying in, in my market for 20 some odd years. In the moment, it feels like craziness. But in, in you know when we look back on this in five or 10 decades, it'll be a blip. The other thing that I think is very, I don't know, good or bad, depending if you're there, is they've only impacted a dozen markets, but they've impacted them, you know, to a, to a great degree. But as somebody who looks at the median home price for the country, it doesn't really move. Like they have a thousand units in Phoenix, a thousand units in Phoenix is a problem, but a thousand units in the United States doesn't move the needle. Yeah. And, and yeah, that, that, Exactly. On a national level, you know, they're, they just weren't as widespread as they could have been. This is the first version, right? They had just kind of came out with this in these yeah. 20 so markets or 30. I, I forget what they actually got up to, uh, but it does look like they had a significant impact in the places they were buying heavily. Uh, probably- it's really funny. They, I mean, sorry to cut you off, but the other thing that's really funny is um, they all chose to, it seems like they all chose to compete in the top five markets. Like they were all in Phoenix. They were all in yeah. Vegas. Like, who was in Columbus, Ohio? Right. I mean, if you really want to move the needle, go to a different market. Right. I mean, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, you know. And then the interesting thing is they're both. Then they become trouble for each other because they're each cutting prices so fast in the places like Vegas. Well, they were. Well, again, it's both sides. They were competing for the same stuff to buy, and now they're competing for the same. Now when they're selling, they're competing for the same buyer. So, yeah, it's it's comical to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how it all kind of plays out. Um, and, you know, and then what happens with Open Door now? Uh, you know, can they survive this? Can they benefit long term if they're the only, you know, I no, buyer? They're done. No, uh, they're done. Look at their balance sheet, cost of capital, liabilities to debt. Uh, now, could they go through bankruptcy and reinvigorate themselves and be something better? But they've got to clean up their balance sheet. As an accountant, I've looked at their balance sheet, it's atrocious. It's atrocious. And I, th- I think financial markets, you know, or say that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Um, do me a favor, Lance, where can people find you? Could you, I can't believe how much great content you put out on Twitter. Well, I, I appreciate that. I try to, you know, f- like when I look at something like the case Shiller data that comes out, I try to flip it from like multiple different angles and uh, try to give uh, readers uh, a good perspective or at least see it through many lenses. Uh, people can find me at News Lambert on Twitter, or they can Google Lance Lambert Fortune and find my author page. And the thing, uh, there was a, a series of posts you put out, tweets you put out the other day talking about who's calling for a decline, who's calling flat, and who's calling for an increase. I thought that was a great list. You were you were missing one rental at a time. I just want to remind you that you were missing me. I'm just, I'm well, just saying. Yeah. That is, <laughs> so what I've been doing is I've been excluding the outlook. So your outlook. Co-star CEO actually was, you know, he was pretty bearish. Uh, and then Bill McBride also, he has oh, a yes. 10% uh, peak to trough decline. It's his personal outlook too. But I, yeah. I kind of, I, you know, and I, I understand. I was giving you a hard time. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I was just giving you a hard time. I know. <laughs> Thanks, Lance. I, I, you know, I did realize I'm excluding NAR. And so I probably. Oh, whoops. Yeah, that one's probably a good one. But then, you know. Yeah, I, I also, you know, take them with the most grain of salt of everybody. Oh, yes, absolutely. As you should, as you should. Thanks, buddy.